You're listening to episode 180 of the Voice in Canada podcast. Hey there, I'm Dr. Terry Fisher, one part physician, one part voice enthusiast, one big part Canadian, and one small part of our community, Northern Voice. Together, let's explore how voice technology is transforming our lives north of the border. And let's talk voice. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Voice in Canada podcast. So great to have you along. Uh, as you may know, we have the Voice Den happening today, Wednesday, November 17th, sponsored by Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant. We have an absolutely wonderful lineup of four incredible guests. Uh, these include the typologist, Dr. Kiera Anderson, Captain Crunch, Mark Layden, the storyteller, Amy Stapleton, and the pragmatist, Scott Westwater. These are some of the uh, thought leaders in the voice tech industry, and I'm thrilled to be able to uh, have you speak with them. So all the info for that, your free seat, is at thevoiceden.com. Now, speaking of the voice den, today's guest is an incredible guy, Scott Sandland. He is known as the hypnotizer, and he is doing some fascinating work with his company, Cyrano.ai, all about being able to detect empathy in people's voices and being able to respond to uh, to voice, whether it's whether it is truly voice or whether it is text to speech uh, type of technology, this is incredible. And we get into a wonderful discussion here about what is artificial empathy, and uh, so much more about the use cases that they have of being able to detect emotions in the way people speak. Uh, as I often do, I have Ian Utili, uh, my co-host, with me uh, for this episode. This is actually a recording of the Voice Fluencer show that we did. Scott appeared previously on The Voice Den, and uh, we had the opportunity to catch up with him as well for this interview. So really interesting topics. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this one, and uh, let's get right to the interview. So here is Scott Sandland. Scott, great to see you. Thank you so much for joining myself, and we're going to get Ian, our co-host, in here in just a moment as well. So Scott, great to have you here. It's good to be here. Uh, you know, we had fun uh, a couple of weeks ago on The Voice Den, so it's uh, good to do more with just us and Ian. Amazing, amazing. Well, let's start off with some, uh, you know, some background. So for those that may not know you, um, can you give us your story, basically, your background? What's your story? How'd you get into what, doing what you're doing? Sure. So long story short, I was the CEO of a mental health clinic, had a private practice focusing on good to great stuff. And... I watched teen crisis unfold. I saw it was a giant problem and was working with a bunch of drug rehab centers and things like that and said, okay, we need to build something that scales. Decided I would build a chat bot that could do therapy. Uh, figured out that that wasn't going to work well. And the reason it wouldn't work well was because chat bots were optimized for uh, accurate, complete, brief responses, which is the opposite of effective communication. Effective communication is about listening and paying attention to the audience and customizing a message based on what matters to them. And chat systems don't do that. They can't. And I tried to build that over and over with a bunch of off-the-shelf parts that didn't work. So a buddy of mine's a sociologist, neurolinguist. We got together, built a thing, got a patent in it, proved that it worked, and uh, then went and found a guy named Ryan Huff, who was the CEO of a company that was big in Salesforce. Um, he had just sold his company. The three of us got together and built this tool. 
Right now we're using it primarily for commercial applications, think sales, customer success, things like that. Um, but the ultimate goal is to uh, deploy this in uh, vulnerable populations. So teen crisis hotlines, veterans affairs, suicide hotline. We want our tool to work there. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, sorry, all, that that's, a, that's amazing. No, it's amazing. And, and I can't help but think, and I know this appears prominently on your website, the idea of empathy through a chatbot, artificial empathy. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like, how does that work? Like that just, it seems like two polar opposite things in the same concept. Yeah. So first, like even what empathy means, like if, like when I give lectures, I like raise your hands. How many people know, could explain what AI is to like a grandma and, you know, more than half the hands in the kinds of rooms that I'm in can, can, you know, do that. Uh, and then I say, how many people can explain the difference between sympathy and empathy? And it's, you know, like eight people, like no one knows this. So uh, the easy way of thinking of it is you say to me, I'm having a bad day. Sympathy is me saying, oh, that sucks. And meaning it, but like, oh, I'm sorry. Empathy is me saying, what can I do to help? It's the <clears throat> intrinsic desire to help improve your situation um, based on my understanding of that situation. And so if we can build a system that's optimized for appreciating your human experience um, in terms of mental states, then it would naturally want to optimize for improving those. So when you think of being lazy, let's just use chess or some sort of, you know, GAN sort of, you know, neural network kind of architecture, you can say, it's optimizing for predetermined outcomes that are chosen by a human. You know, whoever creates this system is optimizing for make this better. And if we could create some sort of hierarchy of mental states, then we could say, if we can ever move a person from here in this direction and any place on this path is what we're going to call better or a micro win, this system could do that. And so to me, that's empathy. Also included in that is if we can just effectively reflect back to a person, things that they might not be paying attention to in themselves, that helps too. So whether it's just helping reflect back honestly what we're seeing in terms of um, thoughts and patterns and those kinds of things, or actually give insight that moves a person along a continuum, that's empathy. Amazing. I love it. So many of what, so much of what you're saying is, is sort of making me remember some of the training that I had as a healthcare provider and doing communication skills. And, and so much of it is just what you said, just like repeating back. Like I hear that you're not, whatever it is, not feeling great or, or feeling upset and, and that, and that sort of thing and helping to move them and, along. And your point, like, like your background as a healthcare provider, it's very easy for a physician to get bored during intake. And that's a reasonable thing. Good doctors have heard it a million times. And they can interrupt halfway through and they can say, look, I've seen this movie. Um, the next 12 things you're going to say are this. I'm going to ask you these questions. These are going to be your answers <laughs> and this is where we need to go. Yep. Um, and so for them, it's very transactional. But for the patient, it's the most important conversation they're having that day. Now, if we could build an AI that could do that intake or at the end of that intake that was transactional for the doctor to then say to the doctor, hey, here's what matters to this person. While you were taking uh, vitals and paying attention to, you know, is it red? Is it swollen? This person told you what matters to them. 
And that is absolutely connected to rehospitalizations and patient outcomes if they will do what you say or not. And so we all that becomes really fundamental execution. Yeah, so so uh, yeah, so well said. All right, I want to bring I want to bring Ian into here. Um, I know that Ian had the opportunity to uh, to meet you uh, in person recently, uh, and so Ian, let me turn it over to you, and maybe you can uh, share some of your thoughts or a question for for Scott as well. Well, I mean, I was impacted by the demo that you did at Project Voice X a couple weeks ago. Uh, I kept thinking of the applications, and oftentimes I see new technologies in the NLP conversational AI world, and I see possibilities. And then I hear explanation around the heart and the vision, and I'm oftentimes a little underwhelmed. I think something that really stands out to me today is that you have this really significant vision of how humanity can be impacted in a positive way. So if we could snap our fingers and your tech was adopted across the enterprise, all the hospitals, all the universities, it's in place. So not how do you get there, not how long will it take, but if it was done, can you just be clear in terms of what you envision, the impact that would happen for people? Because sometimes we lose <clears throat> kind of focus on the why, because we're just so focused on the how we get there and things of that nature. Correct. But can you just reiterate uh, what, what type of impact you imagine would be in place if your tech was adopted at scale across all of the enterprise divisions that you are hoping to uh, reach into? Sure. So the easiest one to, to target is teen suicide. So the second leading cause of death for people under the age of 24 is killing themselves on purpose. And the leading cause of death in some of those segments is suicide. So 15 to 20 year old girls, it's suicide. Um, suicide doubled over a seven year period, except in some segments where it tripled, uh, like 14 year old, 13 to 14 year old girls, it tripled over a seven year period. And then the next year it got 20% worse. So if you say from just healthcare, in America, if there was a problem that was doubling every seven years or getting 20% worse in a single year, wouldn't that be the number one thing we need to target as a country? Um, and then that doesn't even talk about uh, people who are spinning out, right? You know, getting over-medicated or getting dependent with the right amount of medication or just dropping out of school and, 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 and. So just being sub-optimized, you know, as, as people. Um, and if we could just look at that one simply, we're talking about changing the lives for millions of families a year. 3,000 high school uh, students attempt suicide every day. So if we could just address that, we're talking about, you know, uh, lots and lots of families being forever impacted. If you're just talking about rehospitalizations and we say, you know, Ian, you blow out your knee doing something. And so you go um, and uh, you're going to have you know, some sort of orthoscopic, they fix your knee, the physical therapy is going to determine your outcome. You know, a good surgeon knows it's the PT as much as it is anything else that's going to determine if you have to come back in or not. So if we can just say, we know how to talk you into doing your rehab, or we know how to talk you into going and seeing a real therapist instead of self-harm, uh, just looking at the humanity quotient of that is... Uh, unfathomable. And of course you can tie those things to dollars and people have, 
Um, but for me, what I'm looking at is every college freshman has an anonymous, always present peer support tool that is an AI that lives on device, that doesn't data mine them, that gives them the support they need in moments of crisis. And the thing doesn't have any ego. It doesn't get bored. It's just there to support them. And oh, by the way, it's saving insurance companies, you know, a couple billion dollars. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that uh, you, you have you have me in. Uh, yeah. So in terms of getting this adopted, when you think about the emergence of decentralized distributed ledger, when you think about the emergence of decentralized metaverses and some mm -hmm. of these new Web3 approaches, and you think, okay, a lot of the privacy things are, are being handled by these communities and by this approach. Yeah. Um, so if you're able to get uh, this technology into these environments and provide anonymity and uh, security, but be able to yep. provide this feedback loop of, hey, here's what you're feeling based on what you're writing, what you're saying, the videos you're making. Um, when you think about the, the groundswell of the tech being adopted, how, in your mind, what, what is the bridge to get the tech that's been created and the opportunity and the impact that would get there? How do you get yeah. there? Like, what partnerships do you need? What introductions might you need? Who would you want to talk to in order to make these things happen? I, I need to talk to people who are having high value conversations um, because that's where this thing's useful. This is not useful in a drive through uh, this is useful when people are having high value conversations. Uh, so what, as you, you kind of talked about uh, Web 3.0 there, right? You know, in terms of data privacy and anonymity and metaverse and those sorts of things. And I love that. And I love the idea of the data that's coming out of Cyrano being owned by that individual. I think that makes sense. And one of the many reasons why we're going to commercial opportunities first is because then we can say, this is where we're making our money. So when we're using this tool for social good, we can be sincere that it's social good. We don't need to make money doing anything, let's call it sneaky. Uh, we can be really clear that this can live on device and or, or some version of that where we, you know, everything's scrubbed or, or whatever that stateless PII redacted version of it is. Um, everything we're built uh, building is built under the assumption that you're going to own your data. And then, uh, so Ian's using this tool because he's a college sophomore from the Midwest and now he just went to USC and it's huge and intimidating and he feels kind of fish out of water. And so he's using this app and he's not, you know, it's, it's subclinical, you know, he's not, he's not in danger of hurting himself. He just wants someone to listen. So the tool does that. Great. And then Ian can say, Hey, I want to sell this psychographic fingerprint of me to these advertisers, to these companies, because I'm choosing to, because then it makes my experience with their brands better because they know how to connect with what matters to me. Hmm. That's interesting. So that's, you're getting into some of the more um, commercial uh, applications. We've talked a lot about sort of the healthcare stuff, but you also say you do a lot of commercial stuff. Can you, Give us a sense of, uh, particularly for the listeners also that may not have, have experienced this, where do you see the use cases in the commercial applications? Sure. So like I said, high value. So uh, retail automotive, uh, real estate sales, uh, 
financial planning, you know, places like that where you know there's a lifetime value connected to this and it's a longer sales cycle. It's a longer conversation, headhunting and recruiting, those kinds of places where you know understanding the person actually matters and understanding what matters to the person is important to uh, the LTV. That's great. What if you could have it adopted like across every single podcast in yeah. all of Spotify or all of Apple podcasts or all of Google podcasts? Because if you think about someone like a Joe Rogan, yep. Joe might benefit from some of this knowledge. Maybe it's limited because he's the host, but then Joe's brought on almost 2000 people, right? Sometimes he has more than one person and these people might really, really be impacted by the sense that they're not just on a platform, but they're actually being understood and to have that come back to them in a feedback loop. So if I thought about this being adopted by every single podcast across these platforms, full access, full visibility to the guest, partial access, partial visibility to the host, how that may actually transform the appetite for people to want to jump into environments like a podcast because all of a sudden they have access to understand themselves better not just because they went and sat on the couch and had some psychotherapy but because they went and had a real human to human connection and it wasn't just that they had attention or accolades or being noticed but they actually got to notice who they were and they got this more in-depth understanding of how they tick especially using a, a joe rogan podcast something that's longer form where they're off talking points Right. Because if you're talking about somebody on CNBC, you know, that thing is so scripted that you're, you're not really getting much out of the person. You know, it's you might as well be reading their dating profile. Um, but when you're talking about, you know, something where it's a it's a genuine conversation, it's a candid conversation between two people that are, you know, fully present or three people or whatever it is, then you could take that fingerprint of that conversation and say, by the way, when you guys were talking about this topic, this is what your graph looks like. But interestingly, when the topic switched to this, your graph changed in these interesting ways. And the implications of that might be X, Y, Z. And so now all of a sudden you're creating, that's therapy. You know, therapy is tell me about your mother uh, as the cliche, you know, lazy stuff. And then, and how does that make you feel? And those sort of like lazy Rogerian therapy, you know, basic Freud psych 101 stuff is because you're trying to understand how a person prioritizes and understands information and their world and opportunities. And so if we could say, when you talk about this, you feel empowered, uh, self-actualized and uh, committed. When you talk about this, you start hedging everything you start using a ton of softening statements and you feel very um, associated with the problems rather than the solutions. So you're in your problem state when you're talking about this and that's probably stressful for you. And if we could help you be more aware of your opportunities in that topic, you would feel better about that topic. And that is doable today. That is our tool with entity mapping done. Uh, and so all you need is the scale of those conversations. Yeah. Incredible. It's so good. This, I mean, I, I know Scott, we're just scratching the surface here. Um, 
I do want to be respectful of your time. I mean, there, there's so many other things we could talk about. We could talk about the ethics of this and, and you know, how, you These know. important. Yeah, yeah. It's so important. Uh, you know, it's almost, you know, we need to have uh, some more time to do this. But what I, what I want to do is I want to um, give you an opportunity to share with the listeners, uh, if we have intrigued them enough, like I am now, um, where can they go to learn more about this? How can they see it in action? You know, where what are some resources that you would share? So we have a free trial of our software. Uh, on our website, uh, there's a 14-day free trial. You don't put in your credit card. You just use it. It will take all your emails and give you a report on your relationship with every person you've emailed for the last two months and how to interact with them more effectively. Uh, we also do this with Zoom, but uh, we found it's better in email just because there's there's more data there because there's you've had more email exchanges. Um, and so if you go to Cyrano, that's C-Y-R-A-N-O, dot ai so cyrano.ai there's a button on the homepage that says start a free trial you click it and it takes uh a couple minutes and all of a sudden you're getting insights about the people you've been having conversations with and you guys can see it for yourself and then sure and i'm sure that the next question that people ask is so you're taking all these emails privacy it's all protected. so we passed every security review uh to to be able to do that we had to pass uh google's uh, Apple Mail, uh, Microsoft, Zoom, like we had to go through all their security reviews to make that possible. So all of that is approved by all of them. And fantastic. And, uh, Great. Yeah. Great. That's really interesting. I'll have to I'll have to try that out myself. And where can people go to learn more about you or if they want to connect with you? Uh, LinkedIn or what would LinkedIn. be the best place? Yeah, yeah. Uh, find me on LinkedIn. That's the easiest. And it's it's LinkedIn slash uh, my name. Uh, but I'd, I'd love to talk to people who are interested in this topic. And we'll put your name back up there, the uh, the hypnotizer. I think we have to, before we let you go, we just have to clarify why the nickname the hypnotizer for, for everybody watching here. Yeah, so uh, for a couple of years, I was the youngest clinical hypnotherapist in the world. So uh, to date myself, I was the Doogie Hauser of hypnosis. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and, and that's what people called me because of what I look like. Uh, I look like Doogie Hauser now, I'm old. <laughs> uh, back then, I looked exactly like Doogie Hauser. Um, and so because of that, I got all these wonderful mentors and, and got some great experiences. That's very That's cool. Love it. Love it. Ian, any final thoughts from you? Well, I just want to thank you, Scott. I want to thank you for how you communicate, uh, you articulate things in a really human way. You don't come across as uh, a brainiac or a Doogie Howser, uh, nor do you come across as a shrewd CEO trying to take advantage of every uh, moment of attention. I, I like your humanity. I like the way you approach things at the Project Voice X event that we did with Bradley. I like how you've uh, approached it here today and the Voice Den recently. And so you may not hear just, I see you and I like who you are as often as you should, but I do. I see you and I like who you are, Scott. Thanks for being here with us. Thank you. I, I appreciate that a lot, actually. Thank you very much. And I will echo that, Scott. Thank you so much for uh, for taking time here to to chat with us today. It's uh, it's always so interesting to hear the the ways that people are using the technology and and like I say that that concept of in particular like artificial empathy is just is just so so intriguing to me. So it's it's uh, inspired me to to kind of learn a little more. So thanks again, Scott, for for your time and uh, and your participation in this and and the voice stand. And and uh, if it's all right, I do also just want to give everybody a heads up. That the next episode of The Voice Den is coming up next week, Wednesday, November 17th, 5 p.m. Pacific. We've got a great lineup as usual. And you can go to thevoiceden.com, sponsored by Amazon, Alexa, and Google Assistant. Scott, thank you so much for being with us one more time. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Terry. 
Well, there you have it. Scott Sandland, really, really interesting stuff. I was uh, fascinated by the work he's doing, and I certainly intend to follow uh, Cyrano.ai uh, as as they continue to to innovate, and I encourage you to do the same. Uh, as you heard, some of the resources that you can use to look up what he is doing. Uh, again, you heard us just mention it there. Again, the uh, the voice stand with uh, Dr. Kara Anderson, Mark Gladden, uh, Amy Stapleton, and Scott Westwater is happening today. If you're listening to this on the day the podcast comes out, November seventeenth. Again, uh, it is free thanks to our the generous sponsorship of Amazon and Google. And uh, I encourage you to check it out. It's at thevoiceden.com. It gets going at 5 p.m. Pacific. And at 6 p.m., we have an augmented reality type of metaverse experience where you can actually walk around and uh, network and just engage with uh, other people that are uh, in the voice den in this augmented reality space. So hope to see you there. Hope you're having a wonderful day. And uh, thank you for uh, taking the time to listen to this podcast. I'll talk to you again very, very soon.